time for re-engineering your finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. Hello and welcome to the Re-Engineering Your Finances podcast. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Charles Weldy. He is the founder of CP Weldy Group, serving you in the Delaware and Chester County areas with an office in Chad's Ford, PA on Route 52. You can find Charles online by going to cpweldygroup.com. Charles, how are you holding up with the stay-at-home, shelter-in-place orders and all that jazz? Well, I can't wait for the Jersey beaches to open. Supposedly, uh, you know, May 31st is traditionally when they open, but I'm not so sure. Uh, But we're holding up okay. We're doing our part. You know, we're staying isolated and, you know, honoring the, uh, you know, six feet distance wise, that type thing. So I just can't wait till it's over. I just can't imagine uh, six weeks, seven weeks ago, we were like normal. And now it's like, wow, this just hit us like a tsunami. The world got flipped upside down. That is for sure. Um, out of curiosity, where's your ideal spot on the Jersey shore? Where do you guys go? Uh, we like to go to Cape May. I have a brother okay. and yeah. a sister that both have properties down there. And, uh, we go down there maybe a week, you know, during the course of the summer. And we usually get a place in Avalon, which is another, Jersey destination uh, for a week for the family. So we're looking forward to maybe spending a week to two weeks down the Jersey Shore later this summer, preferably August and maybe early September. Yeah, my uh, grandparents go down to Cape May uh, at least once a year, and uh, my aunt and uncle uh, went to Wildwood for many, many years, not too far away from there as well. I've never made it to Cape May. I really need to. You know, we have family all over New Jersey but they're in, and Pennsylvania, but they're all in the kind of northern northern area. So, you know, usually it would be quite a ways out of the way to make that that right hook, you know, <laughs> right, down to exactly, the southern yeah. part. Well, there's a lot of New Yorkers that go to, you know, the Jersey Shore. So, yeah. um, you know, I guess like when you're bottom up in New York like they are today, you know, they can't wait for the weekend and to get out of the city. But, uh, you know, it is a a fairly long drive, maybe like three hour drive from New York in the summertime, but it's well worth the uh, visit. I did catch a uh, like 15 pound striped bass off of uh, Belmar one time when I was a kid. It was uh, it was a pretty awesome little fishing expedition that we had there. That was a lot of fun. So, yeah, good memories along the Jersey Shore. And uh, hopefully we can get back to that very soon, Charles. Well, on today's show, we're going to be taking some questions from listeners, and uh, we're going to be covering a lot of ground on today's episode. Charles, these questions are coming at us from lots of different angles, lots of people in different uh, financial situations. So I'm looking forward to this. And uh, Not often do we get to cover so much ground, and so we're going to do that on today's show. If you want to submit a question to be featured on a future program, you can go to cpweldygroup.com and just contact us through the website. That's cpweldygroup.com, your place to go. All right, so Steve has our first question on this mailbag edition of the podcast. Steve says, an online calculator says I'm going to need $742,485 for retirement. So we'll call that about three quarters of a million dollars to make it easy. Uh, How accurate do you think that estimate is, Charles? Well, you know, again, Walter, I don't know what the inputs are, but obviously, you know, he has to put his age in, I would imagine, his life expectancy, what he plans on spending per year. And I've always been uh, taught and I always communicate this to my clients. Uh, and I don't know if you ever heard of it. It's the 4% rule. Have you ever heard of the 4% yeah, rule? And one of the old, the old standbys. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not like etched in stone, but basically you take 100 divided by four, it's 25 years. And if most people retired age 65, you had 25 years, now they're 90. It's kind of an estimate that, hey, you know, your your money will last 25 years at 4%, not etched in stone, but just a rule of thumb. So I would say that uh, 4% of like quarter of a million dollars is $30,000 a year. I take that, I add his social security, maybe that's another 30. So now you got 60,000 a year. And the question is, you know, can he live off of 5,000 a month with no pension? You know, I have to know a little bit more, but by and large, it's good to know uh, the 4% rule. And, you know, again, if you're older than in your 60s, say you're in your 70s, I might go 5% because now you got 20 years left. If you're in your 80s, I might go, you know, maybe uh, what, uh, 6%. So it's just a rule of thumb. And I would just say, hey, I got to see a little bit more or know a little bit more about your lifestyle. Do you have a pension? Um, You know, do you have long-term care coverage? So again, like it's probably not a bad start, uh, but I can't say for sure whether that's going to be enough or not. That's a great point. I think there's a couple of things here, Steve, that to me sounds like, you know, it's just not that simple. I mean, there's so many other elements here. Sure, that that might be enough for your retirement, but how much do you live off of? Uh, If you live off of a lot each month, then no, you may not have enough stacked away. Uh, But if you have a relatively low budget type lifestyle, then you may have way more than enough. So much of it's going to come down to that. And yeah, there's just a lot of other pieces to the puzzle we've got to figure out. But that is a common question, isn't it, Charles, where people just wondering, hey, I've saved this much do i have enough yeah i hear a lot like hey compared to other people am i like in the ballpark am i behind am i ahead and really you know you could have somebody with not a lot of assets that has a you know a a pretty fairly um simple lifestyle and someone has a lot of assets that has a heavy lifestyle and and one could run out of money with the larger amount as opposed to the one that had the smaller amount it really depends on your lifestyle you know and really like your housing uh, whether your medical long-term care is going to be available, you know, if need be. So there's so many different factors. It's hard yeah. to just say, hey, this is a great sum. You're going to be okay. Yeah, you can't go off of just the sum. I mean, the house is a great example. You could say, hey, this other person has 500000 more safe for retirement than I do, but you have a paid-off house, and they still owe half a million dollars on their home or something like that, you know? So it's, exactly. It t- exactly. totally changes the dynamic. So, Steve, it's a great question. It's just one that should lead to more questions, not a defense answer on something so simple, but uh, you're, you're starting to think about things in the right way. So uh, have a conversation with Charles and walk a little bit further down that line. All right. Another question here from Christina. Christina says, I have almost $150,000 sitting in my savings account and I'm tired of getting virtually no interest on it, but I'm also too scared to invest it right now. Should I just leave it in the bank? Well, not knowing Christina's age, let's assume that she's, um, I don't know, 55 years old, maybe. Uh, At 55, uh, having $150,000 in cash, probably still working, is probably not a really good idea. So what I would probably recommend to Christina would be, hey, you know, what do you need of the $150,000 over the next one year? What do you need? Like, you know, give me a number. Is it 15,000? Is it 25,000? Whatever that number is, I'm going to leave that in the bank. I'm going to leave that in cash because that's really an emergency fund or something she's going to need within the next 12 months. So that's untouchable. Then I'm going to ask her, I'll say, Christine, what do you need, you know, during the next 10 years? Uh, you know, whatever that number is, I'm probably going to invest that 
fairly conservatively where, hey, she's not going to hit a home run. She's not going to strike out, probably singles and doubles, but that money is going to be available to maybe subsidize her lifestyle or to uh, purchase something that maybe she's thinking of purchasing within the next 10 years. And then the money that's left over, the later money, I'm actually going to have her invested in stocks because over the long term, stocks are the greatest asset class and give you the best return. So um, even though things are down today, I mean, she's a buyer and that's probably a good thing. We don't know if the market's going to get down another 25 percent below where it is today. But I would venture to say, hey, I don't know where the next 25 percent is going to be up or down, but I do know where the next 100 percent is going to be. It's going to be up. So if she has one hundred and fifty thousand dollars all sitting in cash, making nothing, she may be protecting her principal, but she's surely not protecting her purchasing power against future inflation. So I would put it in three buckets emergency money that she needs over the next year, conservative investments where she's going to probably spend some of it or most of it over the succeeding nine, 10 years. And the later bucket I have invested purely for growth so that eventually when she retires, that 150 could be substantially more depending upon history. It's a great question, Christina. Thanks for sending that one in to us. Lots of options for you there to consider. All right, over to Beverly. We have our next question. Beverly says, I counted up the mutual funds. Oh, you're going to love this one. You're going to love this one, Charles. (laughs) Uh, Beverly says, and I'm not picking on you, Beverly. I think it's a a common question. I I counted up the mutual funds in my IRA, and it appears that I have 33 different funds. Is that adequate diversification? Well, I would say there's diversification is a double-edged sword. You can be under-diversified and you can be over-diversified. So someone that has 33 mutual funds, my initial reaction would be, you know what, there's a lot of overlap, you're over-diversified. When you think about it, basically your mutual funds should be in maybe six categories. You should have large companies, small companies, international companies, domestic companies, growth companies, value companies. So I would say, hey, you need at least six in the equity uh, you know, uh, category, and you probably need one or two in the fixed income category. So I would say maybe 33 is an overkill, probably eight, maybe maximum 10 uh, you know, would be fairly ideal if you really wanted to you know, utilize each asset class, growth, value, large companies, small companies, domestic, international, and then have an allocation between fixed income and perhaps, uh, you know, stock. Yeah, it's just a good reminder that diversification is not just about the amount of investments that you have. And you have to remember the the overlap that can exist between those and something that gets commonly overlooked, Beverly. So it's a great question to ask there. Uh, Amber has our next question for you, Charles. Amber says, I'm 55 years old and I have about 300000 saved for retirement, but I feel like I'm really behind where I should be compared to most people I know. Hmm. You just mentioned this earlier in the show today, Charles. <laughs> Amber <laughs> says, am I in trouble? Well, I mean, 300,000 at age 55 is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, at 6%, the rule 72 says money doubles in 12 years. So if she's 55 and she's invested in stocks in 12 years, in theory, at 6%, she should have $600,000. And again, going back to that 4% rule, 4% of 600,000 is 24 grand a year, 2000 a month, plus her social security. Does she have a pension? Uh, there's a lot of other factors. Does she have long-term care coverage? Is she still saving? 
Uh, what's her tax situation? So there's a lot of variables, but I would say like, hey, $300,000 at age 55, that's not anything to sneeze at. I think it's a good foundation. And uh, I would just maybe coax her into thinking, uh, you know what, that's money that you're not going to need for 12 plus years. Let's really look at, you know, what asset class will give you the biggest bang for your buck. And again, that would be equities. It's another common question, Amber, compared to other folks, am I doing okay? And uh, that's uh, essentially what you're getting at there. And uh, it's something Charles has already talked about once on today's show. So you can see just how prevalent that is. And all it really takes is, you know, stop, stop, right, Charles, stop looking at the neighbor and, and, and the friends and seeing what they have and, and just focus on what your situation is. Yeah, I mean, I, I tell the story, like, let's just say that you're only making uh, 5% a year and your neighbor's making 8%. But fast forward 20 years, your neighbor runs out of money and you don't. Who won the race? So it's really not about rate of return. It really has to do with like, hey, having a plan and like really relying on that plan to give you the results that historically uh, you will get if you uh, adhere to the plan. All right, Charles, we've got another question here from Trevor. Trevor says, can you clarify whether I can start my Social Security benefit and still earn an income or not? I've heard different things, and I'm confused about my options. Well, I, I think the first thing is full retirement age. So at what age is um, is it Trevor? Is that his name? Trevor? Yes, yeah. So Trevor. Trev mm -hmm. yeah, tre yeah, Trevor. Uh, I would say, hey, you know, if your uh, full retirement age is 67, let's just use that in the example that we're, we're going through here. Trevor's 60, uh, let's just say his full retirement age is 67. Well, if he takes uh, Social Security prior to his full retirement age, if he takes it at 62, 63, 64, 65, 66, and, you know, he earns money prior to, uh, you know, reaching full retirement age, He's only permitted, Walter, to take, uh, I think it's like $18,240 of earnings per year. Anything above that amount, for every dollar he earns, or he has to give 50 cents back to the uh, you know, Social Security benefit. So let's just say round numbers, it was 18000 He's allowed to make eighteen. He makes twenty. Right. He makes two thousand dollars more than he should have because he's not yet at full retirement age. He has to give back half of, of two thousand dollars, a thousand dollars in Social Security benefits. So my point is that, you know, it's not, you know, uh, a bad thing to take Social Security early, really depending upon your, the facts and circumstances of each case. But once you're above that eighteen thousand two hundred and forty dollar figure and you're below full retirement age, you have to start giving back you know, 50 cents of every dollar that's above that. So I hope that clarifies it. Once you're fully retired, once he's 67, he can make whatever he wants. And this is something that I think uh, I've read. And I think that the IRS and the government might change because, you know, I, you know, again, like I know it's a resource to get more taxes, but I think what it does indirectly is it makes people work for a living and maybe not report all their wages, which is not a good thing either. That's yeah, true. There's a lot of layers and moving parts to Social Security, so it's no, uh, no, you know, no, nothing out of the ordinary that you uh, were a little confused about the options there, Trevor. Always helpful to get that looked at as part of your overall financial plan with somebody like Charles, a financial planner who can walk you through that situation. All right, one more question for this podcast, Charles. It comes to us from Billy. Billy says, I just inherited a very large sum of money from my dad that I wasn't expecting at all. I thought I might get $50,000, but it's more like 10 times that. I've been diligently saving for my own retirement, not counting on anything like this, so I'm not really even sure what to do with it. What's the most responsible way to handle it? 
Well, um, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I really think that, you know, he should get a financial plan done. I mean, obviously, uh, you can't give anybody advice unless you know what their hopes, dreams and fears are, when the money will be needed. You know, and basically, um, I would just say, hey, uh, Billy, let's get a plan done. Let's see uh, how much you saved on your own for retirement. If you're going to inherit another half a million dollars, uh, you know, does it mean that you can retire earlier? Does it mean, um, you know, that you, uh, you know, can start uh, spending a little bit more than you initially thought you'd be able to spend uh, without this inheritance? There's so many factors involved. Uh, how do you feel about, you know, long-term care? Do you have coverage currently? Uh, you know, do you want to, you know, maybe utilize a portion of that inheritance to protect the whole thing from a future medical issue? So I would just say, hey, you know, uh, the most responsible way to handle it is sit down with a planner, get a plan. And, and it's a plan that's going to be co-designed, not just uh, somebody telling them what to do, but asking them questions and actually having Billy and the planner co-create the plan so that uh, regardless of what market conditions are in the future, good, bad and different, uh, the plan will guide him along his way to hopefully a, a happy and fruitful retirement. Great question, Billy, and uh, just great that you want to kind of, you know, do the right thing and handle that money responsibly. And uh, so, yeah, a, a great financial plan, getting that in place would be the responsible way to go there, certainly. And that goes for all of these questions, of course. The best way to move forward is to get that plan in place that helps show you where you are right now, but also how to take your financial plan into the future, into and through retirement. And if you'd like to talk to Charles Weldy about that, if you need some assistance answering some of your financial and retirement questions and getting a plan in place, you can get a complimentary review of your financial situation by calling 610-388-7705. That's 610-388-7705 or go online to cpweldygroup.com. That's cpweldygroup.com and uh, get in touch through the website. And we'll put the contact information for how to get in touch with Charles in the show notes and description of today's episode. Charles, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you on the next one. Thank you, Walter. My pleasure. All right. For Charles Weldy and Walter Storholt, we'll talk to you next time right back here on Reengineering Your Finances. Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Registration as an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The CP Weldy Group and PCA are separate, non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice.